right, welcome to Living in the Past, where two middle-aged dudes relive their past by enjoying the pop culture of their youth. In this episode, we're exploring the influential martial arts film, Enter the Dragon, and its star, Bruce Lee. This is the 50th anniversary, it's hard to believe, 50 years ago, Enter the Dragon came out, but... It's here, and I need a martial arts master with me, uh, so I brought Jeff to help me talk about this legendary film. Jeff, it's, it's good to have you on the show. It's good to be here. I am stoked on talking about <laughs> this uh, film, and yeah. spe- spe- uh, specifically Bruce Lee. Yeah, it, he is a childhood hero and adult hero. Like, uh, as a grown-up man, almost 50 years old, he's a hero, and... Um, Enter the Dragon is such a vehicle to show just how cool Bruce Lee was and still is in some ways, right? It's weird how, yeah, in the moment it was what it was, but now we're looking 50 years back and thinking the impact it's had, and oh, it's incredible. Yeah, and for those of you that are like, wait, which Bruce Lee film is this? What is Enter the Dragon? This is his most popular, at least with Western audiences, and what's interesting about it is it's basically a James Bond type of story. It's, um, you know, dealing with the bad guy that runs this, (laughs) you know, martial arts, like, school world, this corrupt criminal organization on an island. Bruce Lee has to go undercover to um, uncover what's going on. It's, and uh, take Han, the bad guy, out, basically. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's what I would want in a martial arts movie in its simplicity. <laughs> it's every martial arts movie yeah. that you've ever seen yeah. um, since that. Yeah, so, everyone is riffing off of this movie. It's the template, yeah. yeah. Yeah, when were you first... Bruce Lee is so, so much larger than life yeah. um, to so many people, and... I'm curious, when did you first, when did he show up on your radar? When were you first aware of Bruce Lee? Like, yeah. How were you introduced to him? Yeah, I think that I, the, the first time that I was introduced to the genre, we didn't have television like we've talked about growing right. up before. And right. um, we'd go to Grandma and Grandpa's for the weekend sometimes, and I'd always fake being sick on Sundays. Because yeah. I can't remember... I think it was either Superstation WTBS yeah, yeah. or it was the old USA channel. Yeah. They would have Kung Fu Theater on Sundays. Yes, they would. And so yeah. that's where I first got introduced to the genre. Um, the first time that I can specific, I don't know if I saw before during that time, but this was like late 70s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. I got, uh, my cousins had to babysit me. I was yeah. at my auntie's house and they were older. They were late teens. And so they wanted to go see a movie. Um, and we went and saw a double feature. Wow. Uh, I think it was the Reed Sport in Oregon, the Reed yeah, Sport yeah, drive in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they snuck me into the trunks. So they didn't have to pay for me. And uh, <laughs> I got to see the double feature. It was Fist of, Fist of Fury. Yeah. Um, and I think it was Enter the Dragon. I think that wow. was. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. At, on that huge screen. With that horrible speaker, but yeah. it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw Star Wars for the first time in a drive-in, oh. and uh, I was, of course, blown away by it. Yeah. it, it there's something about seeing uh, films in your car at the drive-in theater. This com- different type of communal experience, but uh, yeah, I can imagine it was kind of life-changing or just memorable, at least. Oh, I was know. enamored. I was stuck. And yeah. I don't think I was, I, w- I wasn't old enough to differentiate between the two, but I was right. kicking stuff and yeah. throwing okay. punches. I <laughs> totally. mean, people were walking by to get concessions 
like pretending to fight. I just remember that kind of vibe was in the place. It was right. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, a really it, cool experience. I, it's funny that you mentioned Kung Fu theater. That's how I was introduced to, I think the idea of Bruce Lee, I think I saw like a movie where someone was pretending to be Bruce Lee. Oh. It was like, it might've been like a, a, a fake sequel to one of the movies that uh, Bruce Lee made. Yeah. And, and so I was like, who is Bruce Lee? Cause <laughs> you know, he's referred to in the film and like this guy's trying to be him. It was really strange. That was the first time I, I was like Bruce Lee um, becoming aware of him. And it was probably the late seventies, early eighties, I mm-hmm. would imagine. And then I saw the big boss uh, and it was on like a USA or, or, or TBS or some type of like just cable channel. Yeah. And I was, I was blown away. I, I was absolutely blown away. And it was a very similar reaction. I was trying to do martial arts and like, and it's, it's weird because Lee was like, he had this big place in like this hero, like he achieved hero level in my mind as a little kid. So same for sure. And so did, oddly, Muhammad Ali was the other one. Like, even Muhammad Ali had, like, a Saturday morning cartoon in, like, the late 70s, early 80s. And I watched that. And I was much more aware of boxing. I watched boxing on Saturdays. It was was a big part of my upbringing was boxing for some odd reason. I just was enamored with it. And so here is a little white kid watching this Asian martial artist and this— african-american boxer yeah and they were my heroes besides my dad that is and and it was like even when i see bruce lee when i see like a a trailer a commercial like because they've used his likeness in commercials and like it's weird i pause he has that hold on me as a as a uh, as a person as a character you know i just i love this guy and and i i want to put a disclaimer out for the pod, I, I am going to view him through those probably rose-colored glasses. It's going to be hard. I'm, I'm going to try to mention some critiques of him. But I'll be honest, it might have to be a Patreon episode where we sit down and really critique the, or look at the critique of Bruce Lee. Because I am just, I just love this guy. And, and I think that there is kind of this mythological, legendary feel because right. of his time being so short with us. Yeah. And I mean, right, right. Even with Enter the Dragon, he had his issues and his mm-hmm. arguments, and yes. you know all the things. And we'll talk about that more, I'm sure, right. as we get through this. But when there's that short span, and this was his peak, he didn't even get to see it. No, no, but he I mean, didn't. This was the penultimate, and it, like you said, it's become an icon. It's a meme. Right. It's part of our social consciousness, I think, right. in the West now. Right, right. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing how one guy. He died at what thirty-two. Yeah. He died a month before Enter the Dragon came out, so he didn't even get to see the success. He didn't see the opening at Man's Chinese Theater in Los Angeles, which is one of the most magical places you can see a movie. Um, at least in my life, that's probably the most magical place I've been to to see a movie. Oh. And he didn't get to experience that. It's sort yeah. of heartbreaking. And then we're not going to talk about Brandon Lee much, his son, but but that's sort of part of all this as well. His yeah. untimely death at about the same age. Uh, Another great movie. The, the Crow, Crow right? Incredible. Yeah, we need to do that on, on Living in the Past. I think it would be perfect, a perfect film to do. So Lee made a lot of movies. He was, he was sort of a, um, you know, a co-star. He had bit parts. He was um, 
charismatic, but but most people when they talk about his filmography, they think of the Big Boss in 1971. I I knew it as Fists of Fury when I was a kid. Same. Um, and then, but that that is, and then I I would get so confused. But the Big Boss is his first film, 71. 72 is Fist, Fist of, of Fury. Fury. Yeah. Back when I was a kid, I knew that as Chinese Connection. Right. Did you? I didn't. I, I knew it as Fist of Fury. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay, wow. So, Big but Boss. it was subbed. It wasn't dubbed. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we have Big Boss, Fist of Fury, 72. Then we have in 72 um, what I knew as Return of the Dragon with Chuck Norris. It's a Roman Coliseum fight. That's called The Way of the Dragon. So Big Boss, Fist of Fury, Way of the Dragon. And then we have in 73, Enter the Dragon. And then this sort of uncompleted film, Game of Death, um, that was not fully complete, although it's really worth your time if you like Bruce Lee to yeah. watch it. It has, it, To me, at least, it has the most... His philosophy is in it, right at the beginning of Enter, Enter the Dragon. You see his philosophy, but it seems like he's living out his worldview much more in Game of Death as he climbs the tower and different challenges is, are presented as he goes up. Yeah. It's, know, and it's again, even though that isn't as well known, it's another um, foundational structure for what we know today I mean, as any of these, uh, yeah. you know, fighting based movies. Well, I remember having seen that incomplete, you know, game of death film on TBS or something. Yep. might've been on videotape or so I can't quite remember, but I remember watching with my friends and we talked about it and it was around the same time the, the original Nintendo came out and there was Kung Fu mm-hmm. and it was an arcade game that came to the Nintendo and it was, same concept, guy climbing the tower, you know, waiting to fight the, the master at the end. It's and, incredible uh, to watch the speed runs that are on YouTube now. <laughs> yes. People are incredible. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. I love that game. But, like, I mean, the DNA comes directly from, like, martial arts films, but, but some of the stuff Bruce Lee was doing. That's something that I put down in my notes. So it was, uh, you think of Tekken. Yeah. Lee is... Yeah. Bruce Lee. Yeah. I mean, you think of Street Fighter, all right. of these. Right. But, I mean, we can talk about cultural impact as we get going down here. But one thing real quick going back, you, you mentioned um, the Chuck Norris connection. Yes. And in my community, you know, we'd be out in the front yard wrestling or whatever. Right. When mm. we're on the courts playing basketball, it was, I'll be Larry Bird, I'll be Magic Johnson. You know, right. those were kind of those. But when you're in the front yard, like wrestling around, it was, I'm Chuck Norris, I'm Bruce Lee. Yes. They were just part of that mentality that we had. They were the epitome of um, the person to beat in a fight. They were the Yeah, most. it was weird. And, and, and at some point, there's several Chuck Norris movies I need to do because he was as big of a deal to me. Not quite eclipsingly, but he was a really... Lee's so mythical. Norris sort of has some of that going on as he well. Does. And I watched so many of his movies. They were His movies, for me, were a little bit more accessible. I was able to see. He made so many more. Exactly. So I saw him much more, especially when I was getting to the mid-'80s and he started making some of the, like, missing in action. And so I started to see him more. MIA, that series yeah. was... <laughs> Pivotal in my life yes. as a, as a, a kung fu movie kind of guy, and 
I mean, it even influenced stuff like Rambo and that kind of stuff, even though there's not as much right. of the martial arts in them. Right, right. The structure is still... Yeah, it's anyway. it's fascinating. And First Blood Part 1 and 2. And yeah. All yeah, we've done... We've never done 2 and 3 and the rest of the, the Rambo movies, but like years ago we did First Blood, and it's... It's it's awesome. I literally watched it like a week ago, and it still holds up. It's not bad. It's yeah. really not bad. Um, so Lee has really five films. Is there one that resonates? Some in some ways it blends together, but does one resonate with you more than another? Oh, Enter the Dragon is is, is it's is got to it, be the yeah. one because I, I've seen it the most. I probably yeah. I don't know how many times. Right. I can't count on both hands how many times I've watched it. Right, but it definitely, um, and I think more. Um, I think more because of like the set design and the color scheme that they went through right. and everything. Right, I think that that with those. Uh, with the golds and the reds and the blue, yeah. it's become kind of that. I mean, you look at like Kill Bill and yeah. her jumpsuit. And, yeah. You know, it's, it's become what your brain references to that type right. of film. Right. Yeah. It's, um, Enter the Dragon is the most memorable in some ways, but I think my favorite, like the one that when it ended and I saw it as a kid, um, it's probably Fist of Fury. I, I think just the story, I was enraptured by it as a child. And I was gutted, even though the big boss has the same ending, which was a very Hong Kong ending where the hero kills some people, but you did a crime, you have to pay. And sometimes it's prison, like the end of big boss, or you die. The end of Fist of Fury. I was gutted by the end of Fist of Fury where he gets shot like at the end as he's doing that flying kick. I was just like, no, it's my hero. It had the most impact on me and the fight sequence where he goes through each person right at the end it <laughs> was yeah it's it, it's awesome like i just i love that so much when i was a kid and i well i think the big boss i don't know it's between the big boss and um enter the dragon, the dragon. Yeah. it's got to be, be but mostly because and we can talk about this more later is that nunchuck yeah no one had ever done that he does it in almost every film he does it in big boss he does it in fist of fury he does it in but that was his yeah, thing it was Awesome. It was a flail up to this point in <laughs> yes, fighting, and he yeah. turned it into this dance. This m- magical thing. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's magical. Um, let's take a break, because there's so much. Well, no, let's not take a break. Okay. Here's what I want to do before we get to our big questions. There's a cast in this film. It's not just Bruce Lee, right. and, and it might become, the cast might become part of our answers to some of our questions later. I found the, the cast in Enter the Dragon fun interesting oh yeah it reminds me of uh, i hate to make this comparison but it sort of reminds me of blood sport where you have all these like fighters that are kind of cool and unique that are coming together for this big competition and so i love john saxon as roper i love jim kelly as williams like i love these characters and i actually while i was familiar with john saxon because he made like um, he was in a Clint Eastwood movie called Joe Kid. I knew that. I was a big Western. Okay. My dad was a big Western fan, so I watched a lot of Westerns. Uh, but then I knew him from Nightmare on Elm Street. That was sort of happening in like around the same time that I was super into Bruce Lee. But I was a big Jim Kelly fan. I, like I watched Black Belt Jones and Black Samurai. I had seen those. I had access to those films. 
at spend the night parties with my buddies. We would we would be able to rent those, you know, and we would watch yeah. them. And I was just a huge fan of his. And um, I love this cast. They're memorable. I think Kelly has some of the best lines in the movie. Like, oh, hands down. You know, it's just like, well, it's, it's just great. It's, it's they did a great thing because they took that black exploitation mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah. thing and they integrated it into this kung it, fu it's appealing to a lot of different types oh of people oh my goodness yeah. well and i did they did that purposefully i've seen yeah. a couple of those interviews where they were like we were going for a multicultural cast right. on purpose cuz they were well of course it was starting off right. in asia it wasn't going to yeah. be yeah. because of all the problems they had getting it nobody wanted it here right they shopped it around right yeah, yeah. okay we can talk more yeah. but i i think yes jim kelly was a big one for me but I also have to say that, uh, I don't know, what's his name? Uh, Bolo. Oh, yeah, Yang. Bolo Young. Like, yeah. yeah. That that was my first, that, that's the first <laughs> time I'd seen him. And we're He's talking massive. about yeah. Van Damme movies. <laughs> yeah. And he was consistent there. He was the best bad guy. He was great. Oh. He's great. So he's I, so intimidating. Oh. Yeah. And he doesn't have to say a word. He just, he just exudes it. Yeah. And I guess in real life, he's like super gentle, kind. He's wonderful. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, he's wonderful. People talk about just how, how enjoyable it is to interact with him at conventions and, yeah. you know, fan events and stuff like that. So it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. This cast is so much fun. They're memorable. You have Robert Wall as O'Hara. Like, there's just, uh, there's so many fun characters, uh, of Saxon course. was incredible. Of course, Han as the villain. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to do three big questions. Three big questions. Three, two, one. All right. I think that I think as we dive in, I think the first question is: Enter the Dragon is so important for Bruce Lee's legacy. What is it though? Like when we when we sit down, we just gushed about Bruce Lee and Bruce Lee films, and what exactly is his legacy? Like as we start to think through this together, how would we define it? Like what makes What's his, why is he having such a lasting impact on culture? Because it's, it's 2023 and there's people still talking about Bruce Lee 50 years after Enter the Dragon. Yeah. I think it's a good question. I, I think we've kind of, um, I mean, we started to talk about it before with the idea of, I don't know, there are so many tropes in this movie. Absolutely. That just have become canon for pretty much Yep. Any, any, I mean, I think about this. I think about my, the, what was the number one, um, like karate or, or, you know, uh, fighting film right. Right. of my years there. And I would have to say it's probably the karate kid. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a tournament yes. style. Yes. You know, gets beat up, comes back, wins in the end. You know, the, it's right. just, it's, it's modeled on this. I think of, you you brought up blood sports, blood sports best of the thing. best. Yeah. yeah, best of the best. I mean, all of these, even like more recent, Warrior. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Warrior again. has the same tropes going on. So I think that it was inadvertent in many ways because even though they had who was it, Alan, who wrote the? I think so. Script, yeah, yeah. But he was a nobody, and the reason that uh, that. Bruce Lee wanted to do it the way he did it was so he would have more control. He rewrote, rewrote so much of it. Yeah. It was just being built. 
the mirror scene. This is, yeah. That wasn't him. That wasn't even in the script. I know. It's crazy to but think about. all of these things just, it was like the perfect storm came together to make this beautiful blueprint. It, 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 I think blueprint is it. I think that's really that idea of just one of the things that Bruce Lee provides through his legacy is just the influence he wields and the stuff he worked on over almost every single, not every single, but many martial arts, films, TV shows, just projects. Yeah. It, it is, there's elements even in non-martial arts films like that, that start popping up. The idea of a, you know, these tournament kind of things, you know. It, it's interesting, there's a moment early on, it's the first scene where Bruce Lee has the fight and, with uh, Samo, Samo Hung, I think is his oh, name, yeah. like who's on Walker, Texas Ranger and like, and has so many films of his own. It's this so was many. Like his first gimmick. Yeah. He was like the Shaolin monk, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And in that fight, Bruce Lee gets him in an arm bar. And I was watching this recently and I'm like, he just put him in an arm bar. Huh. You know, that's so. He, he used a different style to do that than what would be typical in some of the martial arts films of the time. And so there's a lot of people say Bruce Lee is the father of like MMA, mixed martial arts. Mm -hmm. It's like blending styles to defeat your opponent, like taking the best of things and not being beholden to one school of, of martial arts. And that's a definite influence um, on film, culture, even fighting, like real fighting. Right. <laughs> like, well, like no, that's, that's the thing that I was thinking about, too. And. 1920s and earlier that Brazilian Valley Tudo was mm -hmm. kind of the beginning of this right, thing where right. it was by all means necessary. Right. But that was the mentality that Bruce brought into this. And I agree with you because if you think about it, it's the kids of the 70s and 80s right. that have bought into MMA now. Yeah. You know, yeah. We're, because it became this thing where it's like we grew up going, this is amazing. We can have the real thing. Yeah. I think it... Bruce Lee does so many things for culture and pop culture. One is being white. My heroes were, were when I was a kid was a black boxer, my own father. Yeah, and then like, awesome. and then Bruce Lee. And I think it, for people in our generation, like it's okay to like someone that's not your own race. And I know that might sound crazy, but like, no, it was interesting. It, there were not, opportunities to be fans of people that weren't like you yeah and bruce lee what is so cool and interesting and physically he's doing things and you're like it was just mind-blowing that it just opens your your mind to people that are different than you being people that you can cheer for and i don't oh, know if we can like spell that out well or you know qualify it well but it, it's this reality that I see time. There's so many people that I know that are like, I love Bruce Lee. And yeah. almost everyone, different races, different, like they're not Asian and they're not Chinese. They're not like, you know, it, it's fascinating to have those conversations and to see how he opened so many doors. And he had overcome a lot to do that. That's, but I mean, that's really cool. I hadn't thought of it in that way. And I think that I was just kind of thinking about what you're saying. And previous to this... Mm -hmm. If someone was specifically, you know, Japanese, Chinese, or right. coming from um, the East, they were either a sidekick or a villain in right. most of the films that I had seen. And suddenly, right. bursting onto the scene is this 
the main coolest. character. Yeah. And yeah, and the coolest with his nunchucks and his yeah. bow staff yeah. and ripping off his shirt. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and he wasn't the biggest dude. He wasn't. No. It no. was just like, yeah, I think you're right, though. I think, sorry, going sideways there, but bigger than that, I think it made it okay to cheer for someone who looked different than you. Yeah. And that you can't underestimate the power of pop culture used well like it it can really like soften like how people see each other and and i love that about bruce lee i think that's a huge part of his legacy i mean his story is amazing i mean he i was coming across some biographical stuff about him how he was never really at home anywhere he you know yeah hong kong sort of home but America's sort of home. He, he never really, he's always in transit. I I read run biographers say he, his origin is in transition and it's this idea that he's, and that's why he was able to bring so many people together. I mean, he was in California, like training all these Hollywood stars that just thought he was the most amazing thing in the world. Right. And so he's just, it's interesting how he was able to like, captivate so many people i growing up in or going to high school in alabama none of my white friends really thought much of bruce like it, it wouldn't come up but i had a group of friends that that are black and they mentioned him often yeah and so it's just interesting how different people would would kind of gravitate to this this person and he never really Sort of like his martial arts, he was able to bring people from different places together. And it's, it's kind of mind-boggling when you think about some of the things he's doing sociologically. <laughs> like, well, and the, his philosophy. Yeah. Like it's, it's that teaching scene at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, even yeah. just in that film. Right at the beginning. I, I, I'm talking bigger than his teaching in right. his, uh, his students. I'm just talking how he was able to put that into mm-hmm. the you know, the, the consciousness of, right. of the, those who watch that film, you know, uh, I mean, even the Danielson, always mm-hmm. the guys from, from, from Karate Kid, Karate Kid yeah. comes directly from, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I think it's an amazing thing. And I think that that's part of it. It wasn't just a Kung Fu film where it was just about the choreography. Right. He also was telling, um, uh, he was revealing himself or at least his philosophy to those. And yes. that made it even cool. It it felt even more accessible. It almost felt oddly because you watch some martial arts films and a guy is cool because he can do amazing things. But when Bruce Lee has that teaching moment at the beginning of Enter the Dragon, it's almost like he's teaching his audience. I agree. And it makes him different in some ways. It's and, and there are other martial arts films that do that. I'm not saying he was the only one doing that, but the way he taught it felt accessible in a way that I hadn't seen up to that point as a little kid. And, uh, you know, I felt like, oh, he's inviting me to think this way. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. That idea, like, he's just kind of opened himself up and revealed, like, well, and himself. And he stays true to it. I mean, you were talking about the earlier two films. But yeah. in this one, when he's, um, in, he, he's downstairs in the, what's it called, the underground, whatever it is, the caves. Yeah, yeah. And the doors all slam on him. And he, uh, he's not miraculous. Uh, drop kicking the door open. He immediately goes into that position yeah. of being in the moment and resting and sitting. And you're just like, wait, you know, if this was, if, if, mm-hmm. it, if it was a, a different star, they yeah. would have figured out some way to MacGyver their way out of there. But yeah. 
he lived his philosophy in the film. It's interesting you bring that moment up. And, and our next question is dealing with cool scenes, but I just want to say this, talking about legacy and influence, um, there's a lot of people listen to the show that like Star Wars. And, you know, there's a moment in The Phantom Menace where these laser barriers are put up during the big duel between oh, yeah. Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Darth Maul. And Qui-Gon can't do anything and he kneels down while Maul paces like a tiger waiting for him. And it's this influence of Lee in pop culture that's just in, it's ingrained in our minds. And it comes out of Enter the Dragon. I never. <laughs> it's crazy. I, anal- I never <laughs> saw that analog, but you're right. Yeah. He, that's such a cool thing. <laughs> oh, my blew my brain. Yeah, right it's, it's really a, a really amazing stuff. So our second question really is, this is a great jumping off point. What scenes or sequences stand out to you um, and how, from the film, Enter the Dragon, and how do these things play into the themes and messages of the film? So it could be just things you loved about it, but can you connect them to like what the film is trying to say? What is it trying to message its audience? Well, I've always had the question, and I've never really talked about it before, but that final, the closing, the mm-hmm. end scene mm-hmm. with like the cat's paw claw. Right, right. I mean, it's interesting to me that that was the choice when you had like the super blades and you yeah. had like the alien hand and you right. had all of those things that could have been it. Um, and the interplay of just felines in the whole thing. It's kind of yes. interesting because that yeah. plays forward as well. Another trope. That one always. It always interested me, mm-hmm. and I, it made me wonder, what, what's that message? Mm, mm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, are you talking about, like, his fighting, like, Han, the way Han came at him? Well, like, I'm just talking about the very, that closing scene where the Oh, title, the ca- claws the in the... Claws yes, in, yes. And it's disconnected from him, and it's right. just... I, I've always, I mean, I have my... That's a really interesting question. I'm not sure. Is it, it, it might be saying something to, no matter w- what he was using, it didn't, it didn't work. Like, it, it, on a like, very surface level, like, yeah. he had all these devices, the mirrors, the claw, the, like, and ultimately, it failed. Like, he didn't... He, you know, Bruce has that moment in Bruce, like I'm his buddy. Yeah. Bruce Lee has that no, moment at, at the end where it's, you know, he's all cut up and there's just, he just kind of reaches into himself and just like centers himself and then just defeats Han. Yeah. Like it has that great kick into the spear and all that stuff. And it's almost like no matter what Han used, it just wasn't enough because of who, how Bruce Lee was continually applying his teaching i don't know there's something about that though i i yeah i I think you're right i think also though i think there's this idea that bruce didn't need to have that he didn't need it it was training in philosophy over deception and you know uh trying to find advantage uh, to take advantage i guess as well yeah no i think that i think that was interesting I also think the portrayal of um, women in this, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, you have that black exploitation, right? Uh, uh, I'll, he, I'll take them all. Yes, <laughs> that one. yes. And and then you have, uh, oh, who was it that said, "I know who I've chosen"? Yeah, well, that's uh, uh, it was Saxon. Yeah, right? he, he's yeah. And, Roper basically says, "I know who I would like." Yeah, and he's taken, um, but Bruce Lee. Anna, Bruce Lee doesn't do that. No. 
And I mean, that was interesting to me, too, because here we have he's. Well, if this is a if if we're taking the James Bond template and laying it over top, like Bruce Lee went in a different direction than James Bond would. And I think that was, gosh, I don't want to say this word, but there's this uh, this odd purity to Bruce Lee. No, that's what I'm saying. And and it's I think we see that not only in um, that sequence, like kind of this like relational sequence, this sexual sequence, where everyone's just. It's almost like they're like you have this villain Han who's basically dealing in prostitution. He's human trafficking. Yeah, and. You have the two heroes, Roper and Williams, partaking in that, but Lee won't. Like he's he's refusing to. He's there for something more. Am I? Am I? No, no. It, the, you watch interviews or you watch the making of, which yeah. is a great. There's a 30 minute making of that's really right, good. right, right. But they talk about that how they wanted three heroes. Yes. But they wanted Bruce to be the best of the three, yeah. and so I think that's part and parcel. But I also think that it's a commentary on value because. Look mm-hmm. at the time we're going into there. Right. This is, you know, we're starting second wave, but still at the end of that first wave, um, maybe even mid-second wave, I guess. Feminism well, feminism, yeah. yeah. Kind of pushing in. And the way that you look at it, he's saying, he's not only saying that, no, I'm not going to partake in this human trafficking, but the, the girl he chooses is actually an agent as well. Yeah. And so yeah. it's showing the value and the equality in this. Right, right. It's really interesting. The sister, um, what's the girl that played the, his sister? It was, um, oh, I can't, I can't remember. I think it was, oh, I can't remember. I can't remember. Her. Just that, her death. and That, her, that, that yeah. whole scene where she also, right. well, and her kung fu was incredible. Yeah, she was amazing. That's beautiful choreography yeah. and great execution. Yeah. But that also gave you an idea that, He's doing this for his sister. For the it's an honor. Yes, there's a there's an honor and purity with that, but it's about honor. It is, and and he does several things about kind of like pushing this idea of honor. Like there's several scenes. The one that, that's so popular that you can find little YouTube clips of it because it's hilarious. It's on the boat where the guy wants to fight him, and Bruce Lee's like, "Well, we can go to that beach." And the guy gets in the boat and he just like lets him out. And he's like, you know. The art of fighting is not fighting. You know, that idea of like, I, you know, I win by not fighting. Yeah. Um, brilliant. But it's it's kind of adding to like Bruce Lee would utilize whatever was there to be victorious. And if he didn't have to fight, he wouldn't fight. If he needed nunchucks to defeat multiple foes, he would use nunchucks, right. you know. And there's this, there's, that scene's wonderful. There's the, I think the scene that we were, just where he fights um, Robert Wall, Hara, right? Where he faces the guy that basically <sighs> made his sister commit suicide. The um, iron. You know, and he just, he does that incredible, like, backflip kick, you know? And it's a, it's an amazing scene. And, and a lot of people don't know this, but there was a moment, you know, the scene where he, he right before Bruce Lee kills him, Robert Wall smashes those bottles together. And those bottles in Hong Kong, the Hong Kong world of cinema, Hollywood had done it to where those things were were easily breakable. They they shattered easy. They were not that dangerous. And these two bottles that Robert Wall smashes are real. And when he is doing that, Lee was like in the choreography work. He was like, just come at me. 
And he did, and he drove glass right into his knuckle. And I just, like, it was one of the big accidents. I think Lee was out for several days because of that. Um, but that whole scene is is dynamic. It's this way he, he gets revenge, but he wasn't, that's, he just defeated him. He was walking away. He had proven his point, and, and O'Hara was basically going to murder him. Right. And so Lee took care of him, like, like, like jumped, did the, the, the super jump on him and ended him. And it's interesting uh, to think that it, that also plays into that mirror scene where he's breaking mm-hmm. the mirrors. Hollywood had whatever it's called, like sugar glass or whatever. Right, called it, right. It was made to shatter in a way that wouldn't yeah. cut the actor. Yeah. But yeah, and they just the things they had to deal with. Not only that, but... From my understanding, they had a lot of challenges with their equipment. Yes. But look at this film. It's, you would it's never crazy. know it by... Yeah, it was not made for much money at all. Grossed... Uh, it was made like $90 million in, in 1973. It was insane. Um, and a lot of people say Jaws is the first blockbuster, but, mm. but Enter the Dragon was doing some things. Godfather was doing some things. There yeah. were some movies that had come out that were kind of that, that kind of blockbuster kind of experience in the 70s you know and when he shatters those you mentioned shattering the mirrors apparently you're right about the glass i didn't know that he had a a little iron bar in his hand to like kind of make that so um, amazing where he was able to to break those things so yeah it's just incredible i think all the tournament scenes, I think everything from the betting, you know, where Williams is, is and, and Roper have the betting thing going on. I think I love that stuff. I love, um, you know, Bruce Lee kind of taking care of O'Hara. Um, but I, I really liked how Bruce Lee throughout the film is mission focused. He never gets diverted. Like, Williams is messing around. Williams, though, he goes outside. He gets in trouble for going outside, yeah. but he's outside to, to kind of meditate and to, to breathe and to, like, get out, outside because he had been sleeping with all these women. But anyways, but Lee is never, never... Evidently, that wasn't just in the film, though, either. Oh, really? Yeah, according to some of the interviews <laughs> that I read, he appreciated... <laughs> Um, he had fun in uh, Hong Kong. Yeah, very basically. <laughs> One thing, can I go back real yeah, quick? Yeah, please do. When you were talking about that, I had when I've been looking at this I, for years, I had thought it was like uh, eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollars mm-hmm. for you know for the film right. to be made. There was an interview not too long ago, just, just this year, with Andre Morgan, and he says. Check this out. The budget was significantly less than the commonly reported eight hundred fifty thousand. It was closer to four hundred fifty. That's incredible. And so that we look at the index and see what that would have grossed now in comparison. Right. It doubles that index. That's crazy. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it was close to ten million worldwide. So I mean, you're thinking. They made it for five hundred thousand dollars. That's wild. I mean, that's you're look, you're moving into territory like the Blair Witch Project, it, very like, much so. Yeah. You know, films that like didn't cost much and just exploded in the in the in kind of the pop cultural world. And, so incredible. Yeah, I I you know just going back to like the, those challenges. Sometimes I feel like it's the challenges that filmmakers are faced with. Here, let me go back. We see movies that 
a studio has thrown all the money at and yeah. the film like I, I hate to do this but one of the, the biggest examples that comes to mind right now is the most recent indiana jones film yeah uh an insane budget and it was, it was fine uh but then you see these films that are like scraping by like the lighting alone in enter the dragon the filmmakers the cinematographer the cinematographer saying i didn't have anything that i would have had in hollywood and I, they had black curtains and black sheets to sort of like <laughs> diffuse light. And, you know, one of the things they really wanted to do in Enter the Dragon was have those shadows being very stark where characters would step from the shadows yeah. and come into the light. And I, I, teaching film like that, one of the things we talk about is how difficult lighting is and how you have to be really careful and purposeful. I can't imagine being on a big budget film and having to really work with lighting that's not the standard for what you're doing in Hollywood. These guys are coming over from Hollywood and they're like, like they even said like the place that they were editing the film and processing the film was one of the, like the most dirty facilities they had ever worked. So there was a lot of challenges and I, somehow. But, but you look at those hallways. I know. I know. And it's beautiful. It's incredible. You don't see anyone, then suddenly from the dark yeah. emerges the hero. There's oh. such good stuff. There's such good stuff. And yeah. I, I think there's something to be said about that, about yeah. the struggle. When artists come together and they're struggling to like achieve this vision, Lee worked tirelessly, as did the cast, to try to make something special. And I think you see it play out in so many of the scenes, from the mirror scene. I mean, it, it's just mind-blowing. When you watch it on, it, a 4K just came out of it. And when you watch it on 4K, it's just, it's incredible. And so you have that scene, you have all the tournament scenes outside. I can't imagine trying to like light those scenes and sequences and how to think about that and keep continuity. They were on like tennis courts. And so they had to cover the, like hide the tennis courts. Clay tennis courts. It's, it's wild. And so all the tournament stuff, the you, big fight at the end, there's just so many great things. You can see those clay. If you actually go back, when I first yes, learned that, I went yes. back and I was like, you can still see the lines even though they tried to paint over them. Yes. In the courtyard. 4K scene. doesn't hide it very oh, well at all. It's, it's I super seen it clear. Yeah, it's super clear. Um, let's, let's go to our last question. And we've been sort of talking about this, but it's the cinematography and the action choreography. Okay. I was blown away by this film when I saw it. And even going back now, I'm still impressed with some of the things I'm seeing. Yeah. Uh, and listen, when you see a movie like the raid and the raid Two, the choreography and the action is some of the best I've seen in any martial arts film in history. With that said, this is 50 years ago, and Bruce Lee is doing things that I'm still like, wow, this is impressive. Yeah. This is really amazing. What are some things that, like, obviously we talked about the mirror scene, we talked about some of the tournament stuff. Is there, are there scenes that really jump out at you um, when it comes to, like, the cinematography, the choreography in this film? Yeah, I think... <laughs> I think the lair scene, the mm. I mean, that extended... That whole fight. Just that extended, yeah. yeah, sequence there. That may be one of the most amazing... If you're not talking wire work, I think that right. may be one of the most amazing um, and influential, I think, other than the mirror scene. But again, you're talking... You, we, we think about the... I think that beginning training scene mm -hmm. where... yeah. Yeah, I just think that 
there's not necessarily one in this film because it is kind of the birthplace of right. all these ones that you have in your heart. Because right. when you're thinking of like that Shaolin monk mm-hmm. where he's training in the beginning right. and then you see him doing the training and then you see him actually, I mean, that face that he makes when he uh, when kills, kills Ohara. And yeah. Yeah. You think of everything that led up to that point, the flip kick. Yeah. Yeah, the flip kick to being attacked when your back is turned to your opponent, like it's just so low, and then he kills him. And the, it wasn't exaltation. It was sadness on his oh, face. Oh, no, that, yeah, it was like pain. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing that makes Bruce Lee, I think, so unique um, for so many people is ex- his expressions were communicated. And Brandon had this too. His son had it in the films that Brandon was in. I did a video on YouTube about a fight scene that Brandon Lee has um, in Rapid Fire. And it's phenomenal. And it's telling a story and Brandon's facial expressions. And, and Brandon would do some things that Bruce wouldn't do. Brandon al- would allow himself to start losing and then show like him overcoming that. Bruce Lee did some of that, but Brandon Lee had that in several of his movies. Um, it's, it's just interesting to think about. I, I'm comparing in my head as you say this, and you're right. I think that that's a big part of it was you could, um, he wore it on his sleeve, yeah. emoting. Yeah. And yeah. you think of Chuck Norris. Let's go back there. His face never changed. <laughs> never and he had a beard, so it was hard to see yeah. anyways most yeah. of the time. But he was just that tough. Yeah. And I think that's the difference because that you get to have access to those feelings. Yeah, there there's moments in Enter the Dragon where he really, like, he is expressing himself not just... To, in the style that he's fighting and the, the physical attacks yeah. and defense that he puts on. But like his face is telling us so much more. Like there's that scene where he, he kills a guy. But I, I think one of the scenes that really has captivated people for forever is when he gets the nunchucks in Enter the Dragon. He had done nunchuck stuff in his other work, but for Western audiences to see it, it was like this revelation and the choreography of it, there are people have said that he, one of Bruce's problems, the critique of Bruce Lee, is that he would strike people. And in yeah. fact, American um, stunt people that worked with him on the Green Hornet couldn't stand him because he would strike them. He was so um, willing to try to sell what it would look to make it look real that he would hit people and he i know jackie chan said he got hit with the with the staff you know well and <laughs> i don't know if this is true or not because uh, just uh, the idea that bruce though was apologetic and said oh, i'm right. going to do more films with you i'm so sorry yeah yeah, yeah. and then never got to yeah. but i mean all right i, I yeah, jackie chan yeah it was in this movie <laughs> he was one of the thugs underground yeah i mean it's yeah. just like yeah. We, you think of the launching pad for some people on this, too. Right. It, it, it truly, like that nunchuck scene, I wonder how many, just speaking about America, how many American kids and teenagers, oh, and yeah. maybe some adults, got a hold of some nunchucks and started acting like Bruce Lee and hurt themselves. Like, I imagine, but that's, that's an example. Like, that was so visceral. Yeah where he is using that to defeat all these opponents. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. And I think, I think the idea of, of him kind of taking control with a weapon and using it so skillfully, it just adds to his myth and legend uh, when he does that. But then also just, 
I think there is this through line from that sequence into the mirror scene at the end where he is adapting constantly. And it's very much like his fighting style where he's constantly adapting. And his choreography bears that out um, when he can use a snake to get rid of some people. That was fantastic. <laughs> and that's I mean, a real snake. So if you think back and remember the scene where he, he like slaps it, that's a real cobra. That he well, has. You see the hood open <laughs> yes. when he slaps it. Yeah. I, I, it's just unbelievable. Like, again, like Bruce Lee, when you're a kid and you see that and you're like, wait, is that, a, is that a real snake? Um, but there's this through line where he is consistently with his choreography is, is utilizing um, his, his philosophy. It just plays out throughout in all the fight scenes where he's adapting continually. And that it, I think there's something... Um, delightful about that and he sort of he communicates it in some ways and with through dialogue but then he plays it out in the film and it's 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 fun when you see that yeah i i I also love when we're talking about like this cinematography part of it yeah we touched on it before but um this film really solidified that um that the chroma reds and yeah. and golds and blues for just you look at how it's been used post that think of every stinking fighting video game that you yeah when it's a 1v1 or 2v2 whether it's street fighter mm-hmm. what, i mean i don't know how many hours of my wasted youth has gone into mortal Kombat. i know but i mean you, you don't there's there's just so much of an impact, especially in that little subculture. And, and it it truly is the cinematography, the lighting, the like. There's there's several moments where when you film a fight scene, and this is this is going on in like current like filmmaking, where you'll people will complain about shaky cam, like I can't see what's going on shaky cam, and then they'll see like a martial arts film that isn't doing that and you see it's a full shot meaning you see from feet to the head of the actor and it the camera is still and you get to see the the martial arts play out there's a scene in the raid 2 where um the assassin attacks the main character and and, and it's just beautifully framed wow. and enter the dragon has so many moments like that where you see everything you need to see it's not hiding anything and you let the beauty of the movements just take you and that's because these actors are skilled even like john saxon i mean he's he knew martial arts even though like he was in the united states he was he had been training and like there's some things that he does and yes it isn't comparable to what some actors can do today it's not like like what we see with matt damon in the Bourne movies but but still in 1973 when an audience is sitting there and they're seeing a black guy, a white guy, and an Asian guy doing pretty amazing choreography. Yeah. Oh, I agree. It's pretty cool. And it, it really communicated I don't, almost like this. It sounds ridiculous with this inclusivity. Like, hey, we can all do this. <laughs> and I, I, Yeah, I agree. But it also, there's a challenge in that. Because mm-hmm. in that inclusivity, it also, I think, kind of propagated some stereotypes. Right. Right. I mean, it, not kind of. I, it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so on one hand, you're going, I mean, and I'm thinking of it, I don't know what your community is like, but as a little white kid in a little white mm-hmm. town, right. I'm seeing this. 
And all of a sudden I'm thinking, okay, so this is what someone who looks like this is like, and this is what right, someone, and right. then there's Saxon who's like this, yeah. you know, cool dude, the yeah. secret agent guy kind of thing yeah. that you're just like, okay, I don't know. I, I, I see, yes, I agree. I think that it opened up a door for us to see um, into somebody else's house right. for sure. Right. Maybe just opened a window, but it did. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it also reinforced some stereotypes in my thinking that I had to break down later in life. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I haven't, I don't know if it's because I was ingesting so much culture, <laughs> pop culture, films. It didn't, maybe I'm blind to those influences. Mm. Um, but I can totally see that happening. Well, and again, the place where I lived, I probably different comparatively in some instances because it's super homogenous right right you know it was just just a bunch of white let's be real <laughs> yeah for me i was a, a military kid so, so you, um, i yeah. was on different air force bases friends were coming and going it was multi i was joking with my wife and this isn't like i'm trying not, i'm not trying to get street cred but i was on a military uh, living next to a military base my father's last assignment we were in hampton virginia and my wife and I were laughing because I have a picture of my birthday and it's the one white guy, me, yeah. and it's a Vietnamese, Japanese, Italian, Guatemalan are at my house for my birthday, <laughs> but all of our parents were in the military. And so, but that was my kind of upbringing as I bounced around. That's incredible because my wife <laughs> it was the same instance, yeah. Navy brat. Yeah. And they were literally, uh, dad was on sub, so they were East coast, West coast. She went before she got into high school, she went to like eight different schools in eight years. Yeah. Or yeah, nine years yeah, or something Yeah, no, like that. I get it. Seven different schools in nine years, something like that. But she'd go from California, mm -hmm. which was more of a melting pot, right. to the South, where in many of the schools that she and her sister Very segregated, in, yeah. She was, yeah. But, but because of the military, it was beautiful rainbow people. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not my experience, which I wish it was, but... Right. Um, I, I just did the second half of my life. Yeah. I immersed myself in that beautiful <laughs> rainbow of people the second half. Right, of my life. right. And, you know, it's sad that Bruce Lee only made so many films, yeah. but I do think what he is providing in his work is pretty amazing. And especially Agreed. when we talk about his influence, yeah. like just the influence Enter the Dragon had. And you do see it in all these different, different films. Um, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about There Can Be Only One. There can be only one. All right, we're back. So what is the single best thing about Enter the Dragon? It could be a scene. It could be the themes in the movie. It could be a character shot, music, etc. What is your most meaningful, most powerful scene? What's the best thing? <laughs> I I am going with the mirror room. Yeah. I have to. It's just, you just can't beat it, it. Yeah, and like we I alluded to earlier, the story behind it. Yeah, is um, I think it was Alan. I'm I don't remember. I think it was the writer. No, yeah. it was Heller. Okay, Heller um was eating uh -huh. at a Hong Kong hotel. Yeah, and it had a mirrored wall and he was oh. watching people walk by and he saw that repetitive. Oh, um, wow. That's and, really cool. And so he said, we have to integrate something like this into yeah. the final scene, brought it in. And Bruce was like, no, because he, he yeah. was, he wanted this epic fight scene. Right. It was like all these mirrors, it's going to make it so that it's not accessible. So it doesn't. Right, right. And, um, 
Heller sold him on it. Yeah, that's and, a, that's such a great decision. <laughs> and like I said before, yeah. it wasn't even in the script. He just was eating breakfast at a, his hotel, and this happened, and boom, it's there. And then it becomes, I mean, it is for me, I think it is for me. I think it's the scene. It's the one. It is probably, if you show a shot from Enter the Dragon, it, and you show Bruce Lee with mirrors all around him, almost anyone that's a fan of martial arts goes, Enter the Dragon. Right, yeah. It's Enter the Dragon. Yeah, I I cannot argue with that. I think for me as a kid, the O'Hara stuff where he does the backflip and then does the jump, but it's it's actually the scene right before it where they put their hands together and Bruce hits them so quick. It's like, what am I watching? Like it's yeah. like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And you know, I've I've referenced the Raid 2. The Raid 2 has a their fight, the big fight at the end of the movie starts off like that where they put their <laughs> hands together and I'm like, "Enter the dragon, enter the dragon." And so when I just, I think when I was a kid, I, I loved the mirror scene, loved it. But because Han hadn't been built to that point in the film, what had been done to Bruce Lee's sister was sort of the, the, one of the motivating factors. And so it was this kind of almost a little mini climax in the movie where they finally had this showdown, like, oh, it's going to happen. And just how it played out, I was captivated by it. And um, I was... As a kid, I'm trying to think back. As a kid, I remember being so confused because a lot of American cinema told me it's good, even oddly joyful, to get revenge. Yeah. And his facial expression, as a, now I'm thinking when I saw it, I was probably like seven, eight, nine, somewhere right in there. Same. When he lands and kills him, his face is like, of course, there's this guttural scream going on because that's how Bruce fought. But like there was this expression on his face, like of sadness. And I'm like, I didn't know how to feel. And so I I remember that being a scene in a movie. And I think I can count scenes like that on my hand. Like there's probably like five scenes in movies that I, I I remember saying, wait, shouldn't I feel this way? But it's making me feel this. Why is it doing and so for me, I find that one of the best moments in martial arts because there's a complexity to the emotions yeah. behind it. Um, so that for me, that's my favorite thing. When it, If I, I was flipping channels and it's on, I'm stopping. Like I'm watching it. Every time. <laughs> that's really interesting to me. I think there's... Um, I, I think that with that scene, I also think of it from like the hero's journey kind of thought. Mm-hmm. And you there's there's every once in a while it's not a consistent marker of the hero's journey where an ally kind of uh or a gatekeeper i guess it would be as well one or the other uh flips Hmm. so instead Hmm. of the gatekeeper being something that has to be battled they become like a mentor or instead of an ally being a friend they become like one of the enemies and i think that in this you're seeing that internal struggle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know that this dude's a bad dude. Yeah. Yeah. Killed, caused my sister to, right. you know, so there is this element of revenge, but at the same time, you're like, is he becoming the thing that he doesn't right. want to be? Right. I don't know. I, I think you're right. I think that's part of the beauty of it is you don't know how to feel. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really, really fun. And, you know, I got, uh, the Bruce Lee, collection on the criterion edition of the bruce lee collection mm-hmm. and it's of like course you do. and so i have been going through all the supplemental extras and right now i've watched i've watched of course his first two watched big boss fist of fury 
and then I watched Enter the Dragon, but I'm going back, so I got The Way of the Dragon probably this weekend, and then Game of Death, and then documentaries and commentaries and all that I stuff. I haven't so. done the last two for yeah. years. Yeah. I, I mean, I went through um, the first three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just getting prepped to come hang out with you because yeah, this is great. so fun. Yeah, it's but, great. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I should probably do the same. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening, watching. Uh, let us know what you think. Like, what's your favorite moments from Enter the Dragon? What is your favorite scene, sequences? What are your favorite movies of Bruce Lee's? Uh, let us know. We have, we're g- kind of going into the new year when this drops, when this comes out. And so when we come back from our little hiatus over, over this holiday season, uh, here's what we got lined up. I haven't even told you this yet. I know, so, this is great. So we have... Um, in the month of January, Speed, The Terminator, and Stargate. So those are the three movies. Wow. Stargate, by the way, I do not like, but I'm doing it because I, I don't like it. So um, I'm going to put myself out there for the people listening to this. So do you like Stargate? Um, no. <laughs> Good. I don't Good. think anybody who, sorry, I don't want to offend anyone, but I don't think anyone who appreciates sci-fi in any way, shape, or form uh, likes Stargate. Th- those filmmakers, uh, Emmerich and Devlin, they've crushed my spirits time and time again. Mm-hmm. Of course, they made my least favorite movie, Independence Day. Uh, oh. <laughs> we'll probably have to do that one at some point. All right. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. If you want to know more and want to be involved in what we're doing at Living in the Past, you can go to our Patreon site at patreon.com forward slash living in the past, L-I-V-I-N-I-N, the past. And uh, we got uh, extras, behind the scenes stuff, uh, pictures, videos. We have uh, commentary tracks. We're going to probably do a commentary track. I need to ask you to do this with me. Uh, We got a commentary track in the works for one of these Bruce Lee movies, and we're going to let our patrons vote for that. So, that's coming up as well. And then we do our own special podcast for our patrons called What You Talking About. Uh, it comes out once a month. So you can go over there to that website, check that out. As always, thank you for watching and listening and for living in the past with us. 